As you're turning with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for our time together. Lord, as we look to your word, Lord, may it uh, not only just be your word, may it not only be the word spoken through your people by your Holy Spirit, but may it also be a lamp to our feet. Lord, may we heed the warning today of hearing and obeying and not hearing and not acting upon the words that we hear. Lord, may we be people that are recognized by our obedience to you, by our love for your son, by our commitment to your church, by the desire to see your kingdom grow, your will be done, your people made whole. Lord, we ask that as our missionaries around the world are engaged in work that also grows your kingdom. Lord, as churches meet around the nation and around the world on this day, Lord, may we recognize that our missionaries are an extension of our church, that other churches are an extension of your church. Lord, you have a church that is composed of different languages and different people, different buildings, different members, and yet we are all one because of Christ. Lord, may we not lose focus that other churches in town also proclaim your good news to the lost. Lord, we ask that those churches would also have the benefit of knowing that you have called them to your purposes for your kingdom. Lord, may our church be a reflection of what it means to live a Christian life, to seek and to follow after the name of Christ, as do our brothers and sisters around Madeira and around the world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, Paul says, According to God's grace that was given me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be looking at today as the foundation for what we do, the foundation for our lives, is exactly what Paul's talking about, Jesus If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. We are to be building on the firm foundation. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Paul here talks about Jesus as being the rock. And that is indeed an accurate description of Jesus. The description of Jesus being a rock, being rock solid, is certainly found throughout the New Testament. It's a very apt description of what Jesus is. You'll remember that Peter confesses when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Peter says, You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And Peter, whose name is Rock, Jesus says to him, upon this rock, the rock of Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus says, on this rock of your confession, I will build my church. Jesus is the cornerstone of our salvation and the only safe place to build a life. So this is true of Jesus. This is a a right thinking that Jesus is solid, that he is the firm rock upon which we build our lives. 
And in this passage that we're actually in today, in Matthew chapter 7, finishing the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has some allusion to being the rock, but that's not explicitly what he's talking about. It's true that Jesus is the rock, but in this passage, we see something that Jesus is talking about that is a little bit different. So let's read Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, speaking of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, going back to chapter 5, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. It's an interesting passage because we see two different people, two builders, two attitudes, two houses, two storms, two foundations. There's a lot of parallels here, but they start to diverge at one point. Look at the, the description of the two people in verses 24 and 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, verse 24, verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them. The one who hears and obeys, the one who hears and acts upon the words that Jesus says is the wise man. In contrast, the one who hears the words of Jesus but does not act on them is the one Jesus calls foolish. But if we look at the passage, there's not much of a discernible difference between the two builders and what they're doing. There's no difference, apparently, between who they are, the house they built, the storm that comes, there's not much of a difference outside of the foundation. The difference here that Jesus is pointing to is where they're building their foundation. The language is almost identical throughout to draw contrast to what is actually different. So the contrast comes in here is one description of the man in his house. Here's the other description of a man in his house. Where are they different? This has rightly been called the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is finishing the Sermon on the Mount with this today. One of the men here, Jesus says, is wise because he builds his house on the rock and is saved from the storm. One of them builds his house on the sand and ultimately his house crashes and he is destroyed. The two builders here, the wise builder and the foolish builder have things in common. Everyone who hears these words of mine, the wise builder, everyone who hears these words of mine. If you are a follower of Jesus, 
Every time you pick up God's word, you are hearing these words of mine, as Jesus would say. To his audience, it's the Sermon on the Mount. To us, it goes beyond that because the words of God, the words of Jesus, the words through the Holy Spirit are given in God's word. So everyone who hears these words of mine is a good start, but that's not where Jesus ends. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Hearing without obedience is foolish. Hearing and obeying is wisdom. That's the difference between the two men. They're building the same house. They're experiencing the same things. But one of them hears and obeys. One of them hears and rejects. The one who is wise hears and acts on the words of Jesus and his house stands firm. His house does not collapse. The fool hears the same words, sits in the same seat, by all appearances, does the same things that the first man, the wise man does, but he does not act on them. The primary difference between the two is their response to hearing the words of Jesus here. The fool doesn't think the words apply to him. The fool thinks that these words in this old book aren't relevant for today. The fool needs something new and fresh and contemporary and novel. It's a, a new approach to God and to being saved. And the fool hears the words but does not respond accordingly. The fool then in verse 27, sees his house collapse with a great crash. The wise stands firm. So which builder then do you identify with most? Do you identify with the wise builder who hears God's word, assumes correctly that it is for you, and has a life that reflects the words that Jesus speaks? Or would you say that you are more identified by, I hear what's happening. You know, we started the Sermon on the Mount six months ago, and now here we are. If you've been here with us for most of that, you've heard the words. This applies to all of us one way or another. Either we hear the words and act or don't act. Are the teachings of Jesus handpicked by you? the ones that appeal, the ones that are easy to follow, or you just assume his words, my life, I'm going to be the one who hears and acts on them. If you're the foolish builder and you've heard the words, but you aren't ready to come to grips with obedience to Jesus, you've heard the words, but you haven't acted on them, You know, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has kind of been building into this crescendo. And I'm not like a hellfire and brimstone kind of guy, like you're going to hell, you're going to hell, everyone's going to hell except for me kind of person. But what I do want to call attention to is at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has started from the soft, hey man, you're going to be happy, you're going to be blessed if you follow these kind of broad teachings. And he gets all the way to the very end and he's like, if you do it, you live. If you don't do it, you die. 
There's not a third category that Jesus offers like somebody that hears and obeys and somebody that hears and doesn't obey. Well, what about the person that hears and obeys a little bit? That's not obedience. Obedience is doing what Jesus says when he says it, the way he says it, not the way that we want to hear it. If you're that person, I have good news. You still have hope because you're still here and you're breathing. But there's a storm coming, both for the wise and for the unwise. There's a storm coming, and today is the day to build a foundation that's on Jesus Christ, to hear these words of mine, to not be lukewarm, to not sit on the sidelines, to not say, tomorrow, and to not look at what Jesus is saying and figure out how it doesn't apply to me. The one who comes to Jesus in wisdom is the one that says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. As I was reading this, it's, it's a parable. It's not a true story. But I did wonder, do the builders know that a storm is coming? Like when they started building, like we can look at those two and say, it's better to build on a rock. It's better to build on a firm foundation. That's obvious, especially compared to sand. If you've been to the beach, you know sands move, and it's not a good place to build. Did these two builders know that a storm was coming? The one hears and obeys Jesus. One hears and rejects Jesus. And for us, there's a storm coming. Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, and it's light, and it's soft. He says things like, don't tell or teach anyone else to break the law. The, the big punishment for teaching someone else to break the law is you're going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Like You're still going to be there, but you messed up, and so you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. He says, don't be angry with someone, or you'll be in danger of hell. Not that you are sent there, but you'll be in danger don't, cause your, don't let your eye cause you to sin. Gouge it out. Forgive others. Like be forgiving. Don't store up your treasure in heaven. Or don't store up your treasure on earth. It's all going to be lost here. Store it somewhere else. It's a lot of good, practical, right ways of living to please God. But in chapter 7, starting in verse 13, everything changes. It's no longer good ways of living. Starting in verse 13, Jesus is pointing at the dark clouds on the horizon, and he's warning, there's a storm coming. And he's very direct. There's two gates. There's a narrow gate, and it's hard to get in. Not everybody is going to find this gate that leads to heaven but more people will take the broad path. Many people will walk on the broad path and they will walk to their own destruction. He says there's two trees. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. The bad tree is cut down and burned in the fire. Jesus calls out his fake followers that are doing these good works in his name and they come to Jesus and they say, I did so much good for you. And Jesus is not having it. 
You're not going to earn your own way. And he rejects them, literally telling them, I never knew you. And then we come to today's passage that there are two people. And it all boils down to this. Hear the words and obey. Hear the words and ignore. Reject Jesus or accept Jesus. There's no middle ground. Lukewarm Christianity coming to church because it makes you feel better, you know you're supposed to, is not real Christianity. Following Christ is a, it's a life that is all in and fully committed to him. A fully committed and sold out life to Jesus is what he's saying. He who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Not he who hears these words and acts on some of them or a few of them or the most palatable of those, the ones that I like. All of these words, hearing and obeying or hearing and rejecting. And might I say today, he who hears these words of Jesus and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And he who hears these words of Jesus today and walks out without acting on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You know, it's, it's tragic when one walks away. It's tragic when one walks away and takes his family with him. It's tragic when we see someone who has heard the words of Jesus and chooses not to act on them. The promise of obedience is simple. The storms are coming, and if you obey Jesus, you will be able to withstand the storm. Your house being built on the rock that is Jesus. Now, if you struggle to obey Jesus, if you say, man, I hear and I want to obey, there's a dividing line. There's a dividing line between I'm obeying and I'm not obeying. For those of you that want to obey, you struggle to obey, you're, you're still stuck in your sin, man, that desire is there. You fit squarely in the camp of hearing the words and acting on them. Even if you're not perfect, even if you still struggle to sin, the one who hears Jesus' words and doesn't act on them is the one who doesn't want to. They say proudly in their heart, I know better, I got this, I'll handle this my own way. You know, the, the picture of a lighthouse is a good metaphor for what we see in Jesus here. You know, a lighthouse stands to warn ships. There's rocky outcroppings here. The land is here. It's not safe right here. The lighthouse points the way to safety. The lighthouse says, be careful. There's danger ahead. Cuidado. You know, watch out. That's what a lighthouse is saying is, you have to be careful around these parts. If you don't, your ship is in danger of being destroyed. Your people will be in danger of being destroyed. The lighthouse points the way to safety. The lighthouse says there's a perilous path, so be careful. And you've probably heard this story a hundred times. 
I'm going to tell it anyway, so please don't stop me if you've heard it. There's a, a, light, a, a Navy ship captain, right? And the Navy ship captain sees a light in the distance and he picks up the radio. This is like a long time ago without GPS, but during the radio time, so like, I don't know, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever. So the captain picks up the radio and he says, hey, you're heading straight for me. Divert your course. On the other end, a man picks up the radio and he says, you're heading straight for me. Divert your own course. The captain, angry, gets back on the radio and he says, I'm a Navy captain and I'm this and this and this is my rank and this is who I am and this is the battle cruiser I'm driving here and you divert your course. And the man picks up the phone and says, sir, I'd advise you to divert your course because I'm a lighthouse. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's the worst, but it's a good metaphor. So look, so we want to go our own way and Jesus is saying, I don't budge for you. You may want me to change things. You may want me to be different, but he who hears these words and acts on them, he who hears these words and changes their life to fit them, adjust your own life to fit what Jesus says. Don't take Jesus and say, I'm going to fit you into what I want. He who hears these words, doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you're building. It only matters where you're building. The greatest of saints, the worst of sinners, building the same house on the foundation of Jesus are saved in the same way. Through him, through his sacrifice, in faith, through Jesus. There's no other way. And the storm is still coming regardless. The storm is on the horizon. Jesus is saying to everyone who hears these words, you'll choose one way or the other, but the storm is still coming. Verses 25 and 27, both Describe the storm. The storm is coming. It's our own foolish pride that sees the lighthouse, that gives us a warning, and heads straight for it, running aground that we might try to prove something to the lighthouse. How foolish would the Navy captain be to just keep going at the lighthouse knowing that there's danger ahead? You can't stop me. You can't tell me what to do. I'll live my life. You mind your own business. The two men are pictured in contrast. The two houses are also pictured in contrast. The two houses from the ground up are the same. They appear to be the same. The builder builds the same thing, the same house, the same energy was exerted. They heard the same message. They faced the same storm. The picture that Jesus is presenting is that nothing else is different except for what they do. Look at verses 25 and 27. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. That's for the wise and the foolish. The same exact storm happens. The same exact storm is coming for the unbeliever as it is for the believer. The rain falls, the sun shines on the wicked as it does on the just. These life's storms will happen to all of us. I mean, look at the description in, in 25 or 27. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Have you ever been in a storm of life like that? The rain will fall, 
The rivers will rise and the storms will blow. You know, you're beaten up from the top down, from the bottom up, and from both sides. That storm that always happens to someone else but shouldn't happen to you. Your wife has an affair. Your kid's in prison. Go to the doctor for routine blood work and the doctor himself calls and is like, hey, you need to come in tomorrow morning. Like those storms are meant for other people. Not for me, I follow Jesus. The picture here is both those who follow Jesus and those who reject him, the storms are still coming. They're common to everyone on earth. The promises of obedience, though, are that those who follow Jesus and act on his words will withstand those storms. The houses are similar, but the houses have one difference, and that's the outcome. One house stands, and one house is fully destroyed. The one who is committed to following Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Seek first the kingdom of God. The one following Jesus says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The one who follows Jesus reads the Sermon on the Mount where it says, love your enemies. The one who follows Jesus reads the Sermon on the Mount and says, how can I follow Jesus in these things that he's commanded? Throughout Jesus' ministry, and especially toward the end of his ministry, this tension was seen a lot in the Pharisees. The Pharisees had these appearances of building the same house. They looked okay on the outside. The house looked like it was right. And what Jesus told them was, it's not about what the house looks like on the outside. Just so that we're clear for the thousandth time, the Sermon on the Mount is about the inside. It's about the heart. Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. They heard the words, but they did not act on them. Instead of acting on the words of Jesus, instead of taking what he said and said, how can I be more like what he is describing? They took Jesus' words and said, how can I look like what he is describing? How can I build a house that looks good from the outside? And Jesus is telling them, it's about the inside. It's about the foundation. You know, we all have storms of life. They come for the good, they come for the wicked. Everybody will have bad things happen to them. It's part of sin, it's part of the fall. The garden was perfect, and ever since then, it's been just kind of downhill till Jesus, and then some uphill, and you're back down to human nature, and we just continue to walk away from Jesus. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not telling his followers and those who hear him in this Sermon on the Mount, don't worry, you're all going to have bad things. Just endure it. Just push through and you'll be fine. 
the contrast here is that the storm that Jesus is talking about is worse than anything else. The storm that Jesus is talking about not only destroys people and possessions, but it's also soul-destroying. The warning that Jesus is offering here is that there are two choices, two paths, two gates, two trees, one to heaven and one to hell. And the warning here is that the storm that is coming will destroy every house that's not built on Jesus. The foundation has to be Jesus or the storm will come in, the rain will fall, the rivers will rise, and the wind will destroy that house and sweep anyone out to sea to their demise if they're not built on the foundation that is Jesus. In John 3.16, you know, you've, you've heard the verse a million times. But it's so clear and it's so simple. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the way. That's the firm foundation that anyone and everyone who believes in Jesus, that he is God, that he came down from heaven, that he sacrificed himself, that we wouldn't have to pay for all of our sins, but took that upon himself, and that he now bears our guilt and our shame, and the punishment that was upon me is now upon him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is a warning at the Sermon on the Mount. It's a warning of watch out for the storm. But it's a hope. It's a hope that you don't have to try to build your own house on your own sand, that there's a better way. So where do you build your house? Is your house built on the shifting sands of public opinion, what your coworkers or your family think? Or is your foundation on Jesus where you can come to a community group one night of the week and you can talk to people who are also building their house on the rock? You come to a Bible study on Sunday morning and interact with people that can warn you about the sand. Hey, that's a little sandy area of your life that you need to probably pull back, give to Jesus. When you're home with your family, are you teaching your wife, your kids, anybody that'll listen? Hey, this is where we build our life. We're going to read it together, and I might not understand everything that we're going to read, but we know this is the word of God, and we know that the wise man builds his house here, so let's just read it together, and we're going to talk about it. And if we have questions, then we'll try to find answers. You know, building our life on the rock is not a Sunday morning thing. It's a lifestyle that's committed to Jesus. You know, when you go to build something... You start with plans, you start with the idea, and the construction plans tell you how something is to be built. If you just ignore the plans, the inspector's never gonna give you a permit. He's never gonna come out and sign off on your permit because he's gonna come out and look at the plans and look at what you're building and say, what you're building does not look like the plans. 
So if you want this to actually be safe and be okay and have an actual permit where I'm signing off on this, it needs to be built according to these plans. And an engineer, an architect said, this would withstand the wind, the rain, the rivers, and this is a safe set of plans. Don't build these plans, you don't build the house. The plans are here. Jesus is saying there's a day where the inspector comes and if your life is not up to code, it does not pass. Your permit does not get signed off on. The wise man builds his house according to the specs that Jesus has given. The wise man builds his house on the rock. No inspections, no permits, no pass and go for those who do not build their life on Jesus. Paul kind of goes into this a little bit more in a more personal way in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, what I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. So this that we have here that we see now is not what will just be transferred to heaven. He says, listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we will all be changed, for this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. The storms come, and we're all mortal. We're all corruptible in our nature. The corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. The mortal body must be clothed with immortality. And when that happens, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and the mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The picture that Paul is painting is our life here is one of corruptibility, it's one of mortality, but there's a day coming. There's a day coming when those who have heard and acted on the words of Jesus will be transformed. On that day, at the last trumpet, those who have followed and repented and believed again, like Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again in John, beginning of John 3. You have to have a life change. You don't just have an attendance book that you take to Jesus and say, 52 Sundays plus Wednesday nights, that's my ticket. It's a repentant heart that has been regenerated by the blood of Jesus in faith through him alone, not of yourselves. And that's where this passage ends, verse 28 Jesus has taken the whole of these words of mine. Whoever hears these words of mine. There's two houses, there's two trees, there's two builders, there's two gates, there's two paths, there's two storms. Yet there's one authority. The people come to Jesus and they say, you're not like our scribes. 
We've got these scribes, these teachers of the law, these religious experts, and they're like citation generators. They take all the teachings of the rabbis and they say, hey, you've heard it said by Rabbi Akiva that, and they list out all of the things that this rabbi said. You've heard it said by this rabbi so-and-so that we can't do these things or we should do these things. Their authority is found in someone else. Okay, they are taking the authority of someone else. It's derivative teaching. They are deriving their authority from the rabbis. But they come to Jesus and they say, in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. These scribes have their authority in someone else. And Jesus comes to them and says, I don't even know what you're talking about. You've heard it said, right, they would say, by this rabbi, by this rabbi. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. The authority that Jesus has is inherent to who he is. And he says, the word of God tells you how to live outwardly, but I'm telling you how to live a right life before God that starts in the heart. You've heard it said, but I tell you, his authority is not in someone else. He did not simply cite other sources, but he was the source. Jesus was not a messenger, but he was the message. Jesus did not offer worldly truth. He is the source of truth. He didn't just quote the word of God, but John calls him the word made flesh. Jesus is the authority. He didn't teach people good morality, but he is the very definition of morality by which we understand what it means to be moral. He didn't call people to religious living, but to righteous living. The Pharisees had all the religiousness that they needed. The outside looked good. Inside was full of dead men's bones. He didn't call people to live religiously. Just doing things that make you feel good are religious activities. Doing what Jesus says is real righteous living. Jesus didn't call people to just have a hopeful view of heaven, but he bought and purchased the ticket to heaven with his own blood. Jesus didn't simply teach about the afterlife, but offered eternal life. He didn't want the praise of man, but wanted to please God the Father. He's not just giving out instructions on how to build a house, but is providing the foundation on which every house is to be built. At the end of every service, we read the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is no authority that Jesus does not have. There is nobody that Jesus can cite that would give him more credibility. There's no other name that Jesus could bring into the conversation that would convince someone to listen to him. He is the authority. 
So when Jesus says, those who hear my words and act, and those who hear my words and do not act, he doesn't need anything else beside that. Simply truth, whether we like it or not, whether we choose to like it, whether we choose to follow it or not. And when Jesus had heard, finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished because he was not teaching like one of their own scribes, but he was teaching like someone with ha- who had authority. And if you look back over the Sermon on the Mount, I, I really wanted just to read the whole thing today, but it took too long. But I hope you'll go back and read it and feel the same way that these people did. You know, going back to chapter 5, verse 1, he saw the crowds and went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to them, and he began teaching them, saying, the greatest sermon ever preached. And it ends with, they've never seen anything like it. It astonished them because Jesus was different. He was not like them. He was not like the experts. There was nothing that compared to Jesus. And they didn't know what to do with him. So the warning is for us. The warning was for them. Two paths, two trees, two roads, two gates, two people, two houses. One foundation. If we build not on the foundation that is Jesus, we always build on sand. As the lighthouse points the way to safety, the lighthouse points the way to salvation. Because even in the darkest and stormiest of nights, the light shines brighter. When the fog rolls in, the foghorn can still be heard, giving direction of the way to safety. And if you're in the darkest and stormiest of nights, you know, if, if you would raise your hand and say, yeah, the, the rain's beating down, the rivers are rising up, and the wind is blowing on both sides, the darkest of nights, Jesus says, I am the light of life. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. You know, the ships come in, the ships go out, storms come, the storms go, houses rise, houses fall. The lighthouse never changes. Jesus does not change. He is steadfast. He is trustworthy. And if you are one that hears his words and acts on them, you will know that. You'll know that peace that only Jesus can bring. I want to illustrate it one more way. There was a boy that was building sandcastles after school. Every day he would come and he would build a sandcastle and some bullies would run through and they would kick his sandcastle. So after school he'd go out, he'd build his sandcastle. Bullies would run through, kick his sandcastle. The boy decided he needed a strong foundation. He got two cinder blocks and set them down and you know, set them deep in the sand and built his sandcastle on the cinder blocks. 
the bullies came through and were met with the cinder blocks. It's humorous, but it's not different than what we do. Without an actual foundation, there's constantly something that's coming through and knocking down and threatening to knock down everything that we've built. The Sermon on the Mount ends with a warning and a promise. The warning that he who hears these words and doesn't act on them faces destruction. The promise is he who hears these words and acts on them will be sustained. The winds still come, the waters still rise, the rain still falls, but the foundation will keep that house standing. The Sermon on the Mount is a picture of only Jesus. There's no other hope. There's no other way. There's no other life. There's no other path. There's no other foundation. Anything apart from Jesus is shifting sands. And if you've walked apart from Jesus and you've had those shifting sands and you know what that's like, the only house that stands is the one that's built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, what a great privilege it is of mine to to be a herald of your good news, to preach the word, to warn the lost, to encourage the found. Lord, my best words fall short. May you convict the hearts of the people that have not surrendered to you, that are still trying to build their, their own house, their own way on their own sand, or turn their hearts to you that they might find hope, they might find stability. And although the storms may still come, there's a hope that sees beyond that. There's a hope that goes beyond the worst of life, the worst that Satan can offer. Lord, I ask that you would do that for your people, that you would convict them of sin, that you would bring about righteousness in their lives, that they would be presented to you holy, spotless, blameless, white as the snow. Lord, may the warning not fall on deaf ears. May they not hear the warning to hear these words of Jesus and not act on them. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.